Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning round robin discussion <laughs> for St. Stacy in South Dakota. Uh, we're recording today from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America, and we are independent. <laughs> and we welcome you all. So glad you could join us this beautiful June day. And we will start with our morning prayer. I'm reading from pages 100 of Watchers, Prayers, and Arguments, and 56 of Divinity Course in General Collectani. God governs all, is all in all. God is our constant guide and guardian. No mortal thought, known or unknown, seen or unseen, can interfere with the manifestation of love's presence with us. The weather manifests God's government, and no evildoers can change this fact. The devils of human thought, all the powers of many minds, are powerless in love's presence. God is all. God is mind. All is love, peace, and harmony. Heaven is right here. Truth reigns. There is no strife. Peace be still. Truth has destroyed the error. Love has destroyed all hate. All is peace, love and joy. Run and not be weary. The need of the hour is simplicity, meekness, and obedience. Mary Baker Eddy. Beautiful, thank you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah. One more. All right, our watching point. Watch number 214. Watch lest you overlook the fact that a student who indulges in travel merely for entertainment may become as unfaithful to his demonstration as one who smokes without protest. The error in smoking is not the outward act, but in the enjoyment of a negative, apathetic state of mind, which is the direct opposite of the mental alertness and activity which is fostered by Christian science. One who overindulges in travel for pleasure neglects his duty to God, to his leader, and to mankind, <clears throat> and differentiate between phases of the Adam dream, which is not a sound basis from which to perceive its entire unreality. This is not a watching point to prohibit students from traveling, but it is a call for consistency and watchfulness. Once when a student was about to travel, Mrs. Eddy wrote, remember that unless you travel mentally, that if you don't traverse new lands spiritually, if you don't cross metaphysical waters, that is, and reach shores hitherto unvisited in soul, you have wasted your time, money, and effort and you will get nothing out of it. Don't do less science, but more. May God enfold you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, where no evil, no accident, no allurements, no blame lies, claiming some, uh, some world more dazzlingly beautiful than the radiance of divine love, for straight is the gate and narrow the way thereto. Thank you very much. This was a good one to bring out now. A lot of people are traveling or will be traveling, and it is something I always give to people who are traveling to work with. So important. Not less science, but more. More requires more work. And you can see sometimes, you know, people with glazed eyes walking around, especially those places that are, you know, tourist destinations. Um, so, any comment? 
So it's often uh, the motive, why am I going, in my question. Thank you. Absolutely. You should have a divine purpose for doing what you're doing. I mean, and that, you know, it can be refreshment. Um, it's all right to, to go places and come back feeling refreshed. Usually that doesn't take too long of a period <laughs> to do, but usually after a day of two or that, I'm ready to come back, come home. So, um, but yes, why are you doing it? What is your purpose in doing it? It's always so you come back and can do God's work better, um, but not just for pure amusement. And you see people who are on these things, trips for pure amusement, and they're usually all yelling at each other. <laughs> How amusing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How amusing. Right. I mean, you know, you're, you, there's a tendency that you just go out of gear and uh, get lazy and and not do the mental work that is required. More science, not less. Anyone else? One, one more thing. I think also he uses she uses the word indulge. That's a, that's a difference there. I have a friend who, when, when they come back, they're going on the next one. And when they come back, they're going on the next one, like that. And you know that you have to watch that. Thank you. I know it's becomes almost addictive. Uh, people just feel they have to travel all the time. Sometimes I find it's it's because uh, they're avoiding something in their lives. Because it for me to take a um, to take any kind of a, a trip requires a huge amount of work. I just don't pop into a car or on a plane and go. It's it's a lot of prayer before, during, after to make sure everything goes well and and uh and not just goes well in that superficial sense of the word, but goes well and that yes, you do. You you learn more of your science. You become a better worker for God. Uh, not just that, oh, everything was fine and hip-de-doo. Thank God, you know, it used to be in, in other churches. And people, <laughs> years ago, we would kind of mock that. The testimony meetings were, greetings from Hawaii, or, you know, things like that. And uh, Travelogues. Travelogues about their trips. And, and sometimes it would make those people who didn't go on trips for various reasons, didn't have time, couldn't afford it, it make you feel bad and um but we don't thank god we don't have those anymore so the world I is think a, also the world is a beautiful place and there are many lovely places to see and to appreciate god's universe our topic um today is the universe including man evolved by atomic force but we need to walk wisely go ahead karen well, I was just going to say, and I, too, had friends who, if they weren't on a trip, they were planning the next one. But I also, I also, and, and I've got a family member who, who sort of prides herself on the fact that she's just busy, 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 just can't, you know, doesn't like to sit still, can't even be in the kitchen alone fixing dinner. She's got to be, and she sort of thinks that's a good thing. And I, you know, for one who can't seem to sit still, and just be still, which is, you know, more and more I've learned since coming here. It's so, so important um, that that has to be questioned in one's thinking. Why can't I sit still for five minutes? Or why do I feel guilty sitting still and doing nothing, just listening? And to some people, that's not, there's something wrong. If I want to sit still and just not do anything, I should be doing something. And that is definitely that needs to be looked at. Thank you very much. That's a really good point. And it leads into our golden text, which is Jeremy. Uh, from Job, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Thank you. 
if you're rushing around every which way and and being prideful about it, because I've seen that too with people, they just, oh, I'm doing this and I've got all this to do today and aren't I so important kind of a thing. Um, That has nothing to do with God. Where's God in any of that? And, And there's no rushing in God. It's a stately goings of mind. And this, stand still, think about Take time to think about what God has done, to be grateful. Very important. Thank you, Karen. And really, when you think, you know, think about it, someone who is so driven by mortal mind to feel the need to be busy isn't listening to God I mean, you can't listen to what God is telling you unless you are peaceful. So an unpeaceful thought is totally mesmerized. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a rushing thought is mesmerized. We were taught here, you know, pressure, rushing is animal magnetism. Yeah, and haste makes waste. (laughs) I mean, there's, you know, (laughs) there's a lot of little about something like that. It's, it's it's similar to uh, people who always have their television on, whether they're watching it or not. They just need the noise in the background, or they need yeah. you know, they feel like they need the 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 television or the radio or something actually going on. Well, how can you listen to what God is telling you when you're listening to something else? Or you're so busy with something else that you're not paying attention to what God is telling you. I mean, this is a serious problem for a lot of people. And a lot of people don't recognize it as a serious problem. Like you said, Karen, some of them are even yeah. proud. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure that doesn't characterize you. <laughs> no. still... I'm not talking you directly. I'm talking. I know. To, I know. I know. Um, to, to to the entire audience. <laughs> yeah, that, that this isn't your mode of operandi that you're dashing and running and um, thinking you're so important because you have so much to do. You're you're avoiding something. You're not at peace with the Father. You're not being that still reflection. You're not really hearing the need of mankind either because you couldn't if you're rushing around. What does Mrs. Eddie say? Rushing around smartly and accomplishing nothing. Yeah, I love that. Improve your time. And think of Jesus. Think of all he accomplished and how busy he was teaching and healing. And yet, how often... Did he take time to go into the wilderness to pray and to listen? We don't know how many times he did it. We just know that he did it often. May I say something? Of course. Um, Well, and I was, uh, I find that if I make a habit of, I used to like to drive with my radio on in the car and listen to the music many years ago. And, I have instead now switched over to, I never have the radio on, and that is my dedicated time, I mean, as well as many other times throughout the day, but it's just like, it's a, it's a habit for me now to get in the car and know that I'm praying for the world right now while I'm driving. So it's just a nice habit to get into. Thank you. Yeah, and I remember it was... I I barely remember (laughs) many years ago. I used to listen to the music in my car. And then one day I just couldn't stand it. And I stopped. Mm -hmm. It was such an interference. Yeah, I can't stand it either. (laughs) Yeah, that's how it could be. You shouldn't be able to stand anything that interferes with your, you know, your connection with your maker. Yeah, yeah. You see people out exercising, running or walking walking even and you've got these things in their ears uh, always listening to something there's something wrong if you cannot be alone with yourself and your own thinking that you're avoiding that and uh, mm-hmm. God speaks directly and so you mustn't devo- avoid 
having. And it maybe it's painful at first. Maybe he, there are things that come up that you don't want to hear, but you've got to deal with those things and work through it. But make sure you can be quiet and still. And make sure your children have that time. Because I know Mrs. Evans always would say to make sure your children have time to lie in the grass and look up at the clouds. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did as a child. Now it's running from activity to activity to activity, which breeds this this same type of unrestlessness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if you're not, you're bored. Oh my gosh, if you hear your kid, I'm bored. Well, deal with it. <laughs> Be bored. <laughs> Be bored for a little while. Think about Huh? My daughter used to say that to me. I'm like, I don't want to hear it. Just come to me with a solution or keep it to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the word contentment comes to mind, and that's totally a quality of God. Yes, absolutely. When I when I was bored, I had this little you know, golden book. It was called Who Will Play With Me? <laughs> and it was going around asking it. Oh, will you play with me? Will you, you know, and no one wanted to play with this little girl. But finally, she sat down and played quietly by herself. <laughs> it was a good book. Anyway, mm-hmm. so we have to all learn to be quiet with ourselves and hear the voice of God. All right. I wanted to um, share with you something Louise in Missouri sent to me. Um, and it's by a... Um, hmm. He's a German-American, so I guess you pronounce this Steinmetz, Charles Steinmetz, who was uh, one of these scientists who knew much about uh, electricity. And anyway, it says, this quote from a genius in electricity was brought to my attention this week, which is very interesting. And this is the quote. I think the greatest discovery will be made upon spiritual lines. Here is a force which history clearly teaches us has been the greatest power in the development of men and history, yet we have merely been playing with it and have never seriously studied it as we have studied the physical forces. Someday people will learn that material things do not bring happiness and are of little use in making men and women creative and powerful. Then the scientists of the world will turn their laboratories over to the study of God and prayer and the spiritual forces which have yet been scarcely scratched will begin. When this day comes, the world will see more advancement in one generation than it has in the last four. That's 1928. 1928 in the Forbes magazine. Amen to that, right? Yeah. And Ms. Mrs. Eddy said that too, right? If, if science and health were taught in the schools. And think about what he's saying, the study of God and the spiritual forces. And that's what we're, you know, we're going to talk about today with this lesson on atomic force. Um, along with that, and along with our Bible study yesterday, in which we... we talked about in chapter 19 of Revelation when we overcome all of this resistance to truth we do bring in this this millennium this wonderful state we, we see it we see it and in seeing it and beholding it we bring it to pass heaven on earth um, along with that Dale, W. from Virginia sent me this DVD called Monumental, which I really suggest you all watch. And I want Jeremy to post. He sent me this article. I want it posted clearly on the carousel because it is wonderful. This, I guess it's a documentary, a movie or something. It's a, yeah, it's about Kirk. Well, Kirk Cameron produced it and he he was an actor and, and he's a Christian. But he starts off wondering, you know, where did America go wrong that we're in such a state right now, a secular state? And he does, he traces the the footsteps of the pilgrims, which is fascinating. Um, I've known a lot about the pilgrims, but I learned more through this documentary. And then he brings you to this statue in Plymouth. And all my life, I've never heard of this. 
Yeah, Plymouth, Massachusetts. I have never heard of this statue. I don't know if any of you have either, but it was called the Monument to the Forefathers. And it's 81 feet tall. And he, he said, I mean, he, he pretty much says it's like a blueprint of, of what we need to do and where we went wrong. This statue, it was, um, it came original concept in 1820. The, the cornerstone was laid in 1859 and its dedication in 1889. But it's this huge statue. I mean, not nearly as big as the Statue of Liberty, but it kind of reminds me of that because it has this woman with her arm pointed toward the sky, toward the heavens. And um, she is called Faith under her statue is Faith. And then there are other statues around her, smaller statues. The first, morality. And the second, law. The third, education. And the fourth, liberty. And it goes into the importance of those things and in, in to create a society that's going to be true and right. Uh, the, the millennium, truly. And it's all based on these Christian principles. And I could spend more than an hour just telling you about this monument, but that's why we will post this article. And I, you all should read, at least read the article if you don't get the uh, DVD. And Craig found it also on YouTube. It's on YouTube for free. I guess you could download it. But the DVD is called Monumental, and he goes on to other things, too. They're so interesting about the history, the basics of what created our, our nation. It also brings out what I found so interesting about the Indians. The pilgrims got along with the Indians. They lived peacefully. There was a tribe that attacked them, and I, I guess the peaceful Indians and the pilgrims had to protect themselves from that kind of a aggressive. aggressive tribe, yes. But in this article, it talks about one of the pilgrims. He spent a huge amount of time um, because the Indians did not have a written language. They only had the oral language. He spent a huge amount of time giving them a written language and then writing the Bible for them. Now, now we get all these stories about how horrible everybody was. and <laughs> Some of it, yes, is true. We had mercenaries who came over, from mainly from Europe, who, who did things they shouldn't. But not the pilgrims. And as I've told you, that William Bradford, when he was in England as a young boy and under the control of the Church of England, not able to practice religion as he felt he should, he wanted a religion that he could freely practice Christ Christianity without interference. The basic... Uh, basic motives for coming to America. Yes, yes, a pure motive. And in our article um, that we had, well, I, I think I quoted from it yesterday. It's called Pilgrims. I think it's by Clara Streeter. She brings out all these people that have left their lands. They were forced to leave their lands to find something better. And um, certainly the Pilgrims. Abraham, right? He left his land. Joseph, had to leave. Usually they're in some ways forced to leave, but then they create something beautiful and better. And we must cherish this. And we must cherish this monument, which I knew nothing about. How could I not know anything about it? I find it, it's 81 feet tall for heaven's sakes. Built in the 1800s too, so yeah. it's been around a really long time. It's a well-kept secret. I think we're going to visit it. Anyway, in one of the quotes from William Braff, Bradford, he said, well, no, um, thus, thus out of small beginnings, greater things have been produced by his hand that made all things of nothing and gives being to all things that are. And as one small candle may light a thousand, so the light here kindled hath shown unto many, yea, in some sort to our whole nation, let the glorious name of Jehovah have all praise. That was William Bradford. 
and we usually every Thanksgiving, those of us here, we have these movie times, and that's how we saw Monumental. But we watched the PBS Pilgrims, right? Yeah. Which is all William Bradford telling you about their experience. Anyway. Well done. Well done. Well done. So is this, and something that we all should know about, not just for this nation, but for every nation mm -hmm. everywhere. The basics of what constitutes true government, and it, and that is self-government. Well, it's just like Christian science. When somebody finds the the blueprint to do it right, you don't turn it down. <laughs> you know, you, exactly. You follow it. That's so. it. Right. And that and this is the blueprint. The blueprint. Where did you find that article? It wasn't Wikipedia, was it? So no. well written. No, I just typed in that monument of the founding fathers, and that was the first one that really did a good job. So. That's beautifully written. Thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, I had no object objection to any of it. So, all right. Shardell, tell me what you wrote about. All right. Let's see. Um, this from Job 5, where it talks about, um, may I, shall I read it? Is that okay? Sure. Okay. He, and this is right in our, our lesson. He shall deliver thee in six troubles, yea, in seven. There shall no evil touch thee. In famine, he shall redeem thee from death, and in war, from the power of the sword. Thou shalt be hid from the scourge of the tongue. Neither shalt thou be afraid of destruction when it cometh. Well, I thought, wow. And it reminded me of a book that we have here at the church. I found it here. And it's uh, called The Story of Christian Science, uh, Wartime Activities, 1939 to 1946. And in it, it shows that when you are with God, you are protected from every kind of war. Uh, it's a wonderful account of healing uh, during World War II. There were these little white buses, and they went everywhere. Uh, healing, healing children, healing animals. Uh, it was bombing, and they were bombed day and night in England. And they just, the little white buses, got up early in the morning, packed their sandwiches and their, and their drinks, and went out to the world. And they were able to go in places that the tanks couldn't go. They went up inclines that were so icy that the tanks couldn't go, but they did. And it, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. And they were Christian scientists? Christian, oh, yeah. It's all, all Christian scientists. Wow. Yeah. And, it's, 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 uh, and I love this book with its stories of bravery, strength, compassion, and healing. Just like in Job, there shall no evil touch thee. Thank you. <laughs> yes, that's beautiful. And that all that from Job is, is so beautiful. Um, and that was the prophet speaking to Job and encouraging him. And we used some of it for our watch the other night. He disappointed the devices of the crafty so that their hands cannot perform their enterprise. These are things we just need to know. God knows who, what, where, and how. We just know the, keep knowing the truth. If anybody's up to no good, it'll, it'll come out. They will be... <laughs> Boiled. Yes, they will. Yes. So, and remember too that thy tabernacle shall be in peace. Your home, your your whole being, everything about you, shall be in peace, as you know these things and work with these things. It's a tremendous treatment in every which way. And then, um, you know, we have in the story of First Kings the story about Elijah again and. Uh, Carrie again sent me some beautiful articles and one of them was about this idea and I love that story about Elijah there was there was no sign of rain right no sign nothing nothing and yet Elijah said get thee up eat and drink for there is a sound of an abundance of rain and then he had um, his servant go look nothing Zippo. Seven times he went, and finally he saw a little tiny cloud. <laughs> and Elijah said, well, that's it. 
Here it comes. So I thought that, do we have that faith to do that? And in this article, Spiritual Evidence, it quotes Mrs. Eddy's definition of Elias. Prophecy, spiritual evidence opposed to material sense. Christian science with which can be discerned the spiritual fact of whatever the material senses behold, the basis of immortality. So, so how did Elijah know this? God told him. He was listening, wasn't he? <laughs> he wasn't distracted by a television or a cell phone or a radio. Yeah, the, he, the, 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 the television telling you we're having a drought, it's going to go on right. forever. Or <laughs> That's the TV talking. The TV talking, <laughs> telling all this negativity. He had that all turned off and... Yes, this was spiritual prophecy. He knew God's kingdom on earth. God's kingdom on earth, God provides all the rain we need. End of story. He wasn't in the human mind um, checking out the material evidences that always lie to you. And he had learned that his spiritual sense never fails. Never, never gives him a false, you know clue it had worked for him in the past and he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that it would always work correctly because it is god speaking and we have to have that same you know it starts out as faith but it soon becomes understanding if you, if you practice it properly and that's when that's when you feel heaven on earth when you've got the understanding that God will never fail you, and you're 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 better off listening for Him than anything else. And this is what our little weather committee is doing. I'm so grateful. <laughs> it's not so little anymore. It's gotten it's, it's gotten quite well, fairly big. And I'm grateful. And it delights me to see how you're all writing each other and encouraging, and people are writing you for help. Um, it's a mighty power knowing this truth. You will make manifest, even though everything else seems not to jive, <laughs> you can make manifest the truth when you're holding it in thought continually. And when you've been living a righteous life, to back it up, um, God hears the righteous, the righteous prayer. So, all right, Nancy, what about the next story with the... Oh, with Elijah when he um, is fleeing. And uh, shall I just read the citation? Uh, uh, 11 and 12, where he goes and stands upon the mount, and uh, the Lord passes by, and a great storm rent, wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And I liked uh, the commentary in pulpit where it explains that there passes before him in the mountain hollow, in the black and dark night, a procession of natural terrors of storm and earthquake and fire. But none of these things move him. None speak to his soul and tell of a present God. It is the hushed voice, the awful stillness, overpowers and enchains him. He is to learn hence first that the Lord is a God merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. And secondly, that as it has been with himself, so it will be with others. The name of the Lord will be proclaimed in a voice of gentle silence. The weapons of his warfare, the instruments of religious progress, must be spiritual, not carnal. Not in fire and sword and slaughter, but by a secret voice speaking to the conscience, will God regain his sway over the hearts of Israel. I loved how he wasn't impressed by the chaos and was able to be still and hear God speaking to him. And Mrs. Eddy writes in prose works, 
Truth is as the still small voice which comes to our recognition only as our natures are changed by its silent influence. And that so it ends. Well, that yes. is. Yes. Oh, no and yes. <laughs> yes, and no and yes, yes. Yeah. Our natures are changed by its silent influence. That's why it's so very important to listen, stand still and listen. So how did Elijah get there in the first place? He was running away from Jezebel who wanted his life. Yeah, yeah he, he, he was hiding himself in a cave. Because uh, Jezebel had threatened his life. But he, he was scared. He served God all that time. He did. But he was scared to death for his life. And God said, go up to the mountain. So he left the cave where he thought he was safe. And he went up to the top of the mountain where everybody could see him. And all hell broke loose. <laughs> <laughs> earthquake, wind, fire, all these threatening things. And he had to learn to stop fearing for his life. As we all must. That's the big bugaboo that, you know, fear, fearing for your life. Your life is in God, so there's nothing to fear, okay? That's why we start the day with that. There's nothing to fear when you know your life is in God. You know, your body starts to misbehave in some way. Well, knowing your life is in God and, and your health is not in matter but in mind, your body will quiet down <laughs> and behave itself. But most important... Florence, did you... No, I said we are hidden in Christ. We are hidden in mm -hmm. Christ, yes. And in the next story with Peter... Thank you, Nancy, for that... Um, with Peter, you know, trying to walk on the water, he, he was doing fine. And it's so beautifully portrayed in The Chosen, that incredible scene when he stops. <laughs> what the Christ is saying, look at me, right? And focus on me. And he did fine when he was focusing on the Christ. But the minute he didn't, uh-oh, he sees the waves. He says, oh, my gosh, pretty scary. And he starts to sink. Remember. Whatever your trial is, stop focusing on your problem. Focus on God. Focus on the Christ. He'll keep you walking one step after the next. And in another article Carrie sent about, it is incredible that the wonderful works of Elisha, it talks just about the wonderful works of Elisha, but then it also says about Peter. And I thought this could have been a quote from the roundtable. Peter was afraid. And fear is always the fruit of a belief in evil or in a power apart from God. It is our unbelief in the omnipotence and omnipresence of God and our reliance on the testimony of the physical senses, which seem to testify to another power in disobedience to the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me which prevents mankind from making this demonstration. Ain't that the truth? So. Well, and, and just as it says about Elijah's situation, whenever we see a problem, it, help, it helps to remember that God is not in the problem. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the wind. He's not in a problem. What we see as a problem is merely the illusion that, that is trying to reverse the truth. That takes, a, that takes a lot of, I don't know, faith, courage, understanding, to face a problem and realize God is not in this problem. Therefore, I have dominion over it. It cannot harm me. It cannot take my joy, it cannot take my life away, it cannot take anything good from me. It helps me living this day by day and not just, you know, when something comes along and you're suddenly panicking. 
when you live it day by day and you have that faith, it's it's less daunting. So that's that's why we do what we do and why we stay true to it. And we don't drift off here, there and everywhere. It's not worth it because then something big thing, supposedly big thing comes along as wow, <laughs> help. That doesn't have to come to that. Live it every day. Keep it in your heart, mind, and soul. And and it's why we do what we do. It takes discipline. It's not easy to always do this day by day, but it's easier than the alternative. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot less easy to go from problem. <laughs> than from glory to glory. Yes, thank you. It's also easier the first thing we start with Mrs. Eddie's day. All the events of the day are already arranged. And if you start and you're, you're on the right track and you stay on the right track, you'll never have to fear that you're off the right track. Thank you. Yes, indeed. Um, I wanted to mention a few things about science and health. Um, one, I was struck, the, the word headlong was used a few times, the headlong cataract. Um, headlong, rashly, head first, without deliberation. And cataract, a great fall of water over a precipice. But just this idea, again, maybe acting without deliberation, without prayer, just going headlong into things, your human will. Uh, and there's a testimony on page 607 of Science and Health about a healing of a cataract. But there's also a watching point. It's number two. Oops, sorry, it's not number 214. It is number 298. Um, and uh, Gilbert Carpenter says uh, someone was asking help with a cataract problem. And the practitioner wrote a jingle in regard to this case, which he found helpful in realizing that he was dealing with a problem that was wholly mental. Once a lady saw and felt a lie, she thought it was an awful fact. She stuck her finger, her mental finger in her eye, but the doctors called it cataract. Okay, so you think that you're seeing, seeing and feeling a lie and thinking it's an awful fact. Again, what are you seeing? Are you seeing as God sees? Or are you seeing not as God sees? And then at another time, this practitioner was treating a lady for eye tr trouble. The patient wrote him that her eyes were not troubling her nearly as much as they did. He wrote back that she should have said, I am not troubling my eyes nearly as much as I did. <laughs> she could have written, I have been distressed because of my wrong conception of my eyes. And I have been improving since I've realized that it, it is this conception that needs correction, not my eyes. One might define matter as the belief that there can be a phenomenon without a noumenon, an effect without a cause. Food as matter appears to have the power to sustain life or to destroy it. But as you realize that it is the tip of the cane of divine mind sent to man to sustain him, you will cease to regard it as matter, and it will become a channel for God's blessing to man. So I thought those were good thoughts on eyes. Loose, loose it and let it go, I was thinking. Yes. Yeah. Mrs. Eddie says that in her article, Body. Stop thinking about it. Loose it. Let it go. And then remember, too, if you have any trouble with your plants... <laughs> The tree and herb do not yield fruit because of any propagating power of their own, but because they reflect the mind which includes all. 507 in Science and Health. That's how Mrs. Eddy did all these wonderful things in her gardens. She knew that. Just as we reflect God, so do the plants, so do the animals. It's a beautiful statement. And then the elements and functions of the physical body and of the physical world will change as mortal mind changes its beliefs. Again, beliefs. When we get to where we're understanding, the whole world will change. We'll have, we will have heaven on earth. And it begins with who? Ourselves. Yes, ourselves. And it's not that the world changes. <laughs> it's that we see things more correctly. Remember... We're not changing matter. 
We're not fixing matter. We are seeing what God truly created. Thank you. And then most important, these so-called properties of matter, adhesion, cohesion, attraction are properties of mind, not of matter. Um, also, attraction is love, um, spiritual forces of divine mind whose potency is truth, whose attraction is love, whose adhesion and cohesion are life, perpetuating the eternal facts of being. And then electricity is the sharp surplus of materiality, which counterfeits the true essence of spirituality or truth. Big Dale Young wrote a good article we have on the website called Electricity, which is amazing. It's very good. And, and I read this week, I believe it was Shelley in Canada who had been healed of a longstanding difficulty in studying that article, Electricity. Um, if I have time, I'll go into that a little more. But I wanted to mention the definition of adhesion, the act or state of being united and attracted to. Cohesion, connection, dependency, natural tendency, and then attraction. The power or principle or tendency in bodies which inclines them to unite. In the article Electricity, um, Big Dal Young says that, uh, and I think this is a quote from Mrs. Eddy, as Mrs. Eddy is quoted as saying, Quote, operating in the individual is it claims to attract evil. Now, this is electricity, materiality, when it's operating in, indiv in an individual, individual. It claims to attract evil to that individual and to repel good. And when through treatment the claim refuses to yield to treatment, it is because the repelling force of electricity claims to be greater than the attracting power of truth. In the claim of supply, the so-called power of electricity repels the manifestation of the affluence of good and attracts fear or limitation and its seeming manifestation. That is powerful. And that is why it's hard to reach some people, depending on how much materiality is in them, because they're actually repelling the natural tendency to be attracted to all things good. And so that belief has to be handled. The good article to study. And then this, most important, this article I'm pretty sure is on our website. Uh, Julia Warner Michael, Adhesion, Cohesion, and Attraction. Evil has no power to adhere to man. For as a property of mind, adhesion belongs to good alone. Joy, health, Wealth, honor, love, truth, life, spirituality, by the law of God, adhere eternally to man and man to them. Man does not have to struggle to hold on to them or to fear to lose them because they eternally adhere to all God's creation. This is the treatment for the belief of electricity. This is truly a message of heavenly peace to many a struggling heart. Let him who is battling the belief that the liquor habit clung to his father and clings to him despite of all he can do, awake and know that it has no such power. He has made a mistake in believing that it has, for he is in cohesion with nothing but good. He has no power to adhere to an evil habit. Neither has the evil hab habit any power to adhere to him. The contrary belief is only a mistaken impression. Let him who has been told by Materia Medica that a malignant growth has adhered to some part of his body and that even the knife cannot separate it from him. Hmm. Learn that the law of divine love eternally separates God's ideas from all evil and the sufferer can daily and hourly prove for himself such separation to be true and that man is God's image and likeness and is never sick or sinful. Let him who is fearing the supposed attraction of evil for a loved one remember that evil owns nothing, not even attractiveness, for good owns all. 
spirit, divine love, truth, all that is right and good naturally and constantly and compellingly attracts man, who is its own image and likeness. He is aware of this traction, responsive to it, and glorified by it. Evil thoughts such as fear, lust, hate, anger, envy, malice, suspicion, discouragement, selfishness, criticism, possess no power of adhesion. They cannot fasten on man or adhere to him, and their illegitimate boast of such ability is silenced by the knowledge of the truth that good and good alone is annexed to man's consciousness. How about that? <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? My goodness. Thank goodness we have these wonderful early workers who explain things and teach us so well, as well as. And to give us what Mrs. Eddy gave to them. Thank you. Absolutely. Exactly. So we will end with something from Miscellaneous Writings by Mary Baker Eddy on 174, which you can find in the watch booklet. Linda lovingly compiled for us called Handling the Weather. This one. Yes. Okay. Let us have a clearing up of abstractions. Let us come into the presence of him who removeth all iniquities and healeth all our diseases. Let, let us attach our sense of science to what touches the religious sentiment within man. Let us open our affections to the principle that moves all in harmony, from the falling of a sparrow to the rolling of a world. Above Arcturus and his sons, broader than the solar system and higher than the atmosphere of our planet, is the science of mental healing. What is the kingdom of heaven? The abode of spirit, the realm of the real. No matter is there, no night is there, nothing that maketh or worketh a lie. Is this kingdom afar off? No, it is ever present here. The first to declare against this kingdom is matter. Shall that be called heresy which pleads for spirit, the all of God and his omnipresence? The kingdom of heaven is the reign of divine science. It is a mental state. Jesus said, it is within you, and taught us to pray, thy kingdom come. Mary Baker Eddy. Thank you all for joining us this morning. Thank you. 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 Thank you.